0: Welcome to the Life Church podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Hey, good morning church. How are you today? So glad you're here. The the post Easter church gathering. So you made it. It's even spring break and you're here. I'm proud of you. Good job. This is my (laughs) applaud for you. Great. You came to church today. If you're a guest also, we're so glad you came. So you see on the screen, we are launching into a teaching series for the next few weeks. And what we did back in January, if you were here, is we asked you, what do you want me and our team to preach on and what are the topics and what are the questions that you have that you want to hear us talk about questions from the bible so we took all of that survey and then we came out with the things that were most frequently asked and we turned it into a series so this is a series by you and i'm going to do my best to take your difficult questions and some of you were either very funny or very difficult. And sometimes scripture and things are difficult to get out and explain. And so I plan on doing my very, very best to dive into all that you asked. Today though, I believe is the most important topic of all the questions. And I was so glad that you asked this question and it was asked in several different ways. And, And this one is important. And let me tell you what it is. The question is, is how can I understand the Bible? And so I'm going to talk about that today. And as I do, my hope isn't that I I just create a, a place of discipline where you go, oh, I need to read my Bible. What I want to do is to inspire you to, to love the Word of God. And so that you you want to read it, not just out of discipline, because discipline's hard. But if you love it, you'll do it. And so that's my goal in this message, to help you love the Word of God so that you'll read it and um, and you'll apply it in your life. And so how can I understand the Bible? So before I begin, let me share with you some fun facts about the Bible. Maybe you didn't know some of these things, but I read that the Bible is the most frequently shoplifted books of all time. How about that? The people steal the Bible. I don't know, what, what could that be about? I don't know. Um, at some point, they're probably gonna read, do not steal, and maybe they'll go back to Barnes and Noble and pay them back. I don't know, but um, I, I don't get that one, but it's the most frequently shoplifted book. Uh, sheep are the most mentioned animal in the Bible. That makes sense. Every year, the Bible sells over 20 million copies, which is astounding. The Bible is the all-time best-selling book. Period. Love that. Amen. You you ought to clap for that. That's really good. The most looked up or Googled verse or topic from the Bible is do not fear. And that's what people look up more than anything else. Show me a verse that says, do not fear and help me. And I thought that was interesting. And by the way, I brought my one-year Bible with me today, because as I'm reading it, there are verses like, do not fear, or you know, be still and know that I'm God. And I'm always looking for that that word, that, that, that thing that God is saying to me, and he will speak to you in your Bible. And by the way, this is a, a phenomenal Bible. I'm just going to give a little promo for this Bible. It's the one-year Bible. It's divided into a section for every day for you to read. And it has a date on it. You don't have to guess what to do. You just go to the date and read it. And it's got a portion of the Old Testament, a portion of the New Testament. It has some of the Psalm in it and Um, some of uh, Proverbs in it and it's amazing. And so you can just read through it and God will just touch your life. Um, They sell them, you know, you can go to any bookstore, Amazon has them. But if you want one for free, I have a way for you to get one for free. You want to know how to get it for free? The way you get it for free is you go to our next step class and our next step class is for all of our guests that wanna learn more about our church. And if you come, we'll give you a free Bible at the first class. So there's a plug for the Bible and for the class. Can I get an amen church? Awesome, awesome. There are roughly 780,000 words in the Bible. So if you get your one year Bible and you read it all the way through, you're gonna get through over 780,000 words. The longest book in the Bible is Jeremiah. And the Bible has been translated into over 700 different languages. Now, what surprised me is I read that there are over 7,000 different languages in the world. And so we're like 10% of the way there. I would have thought we were way past that, but there's more work to be done. The most popular translation is the NIV translation. And the last point I'll give you as frequently, I mean, as just kind of fun topics or fun ideas about the Bible. Number 10 here is understanding the Bible can be difficult to understand. Would any of y'all agree with that? Have you ever read something? You're like, what in the world? Or sometimes I'll read like, why is that in there? And you know, there's so much. And so 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, I think kind of highlights part of this. And it says, this is what our beloved Uh, Paul brother Paul has written now understand apostle Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament so when he's talking about what he wrote we're talking about the scriptures and it says this is what Paul also wrote to you with wisdom God gave him speaking of these things in all of his letters and the Bible even says some of his commandments are hard to understand. And I would agree. There are some times I read through the Bible and I'm like, I, don't, I really don't get that. And listen, guys, this, I've been pastoring this church now for 19 years. By the way, this week was our 19-year anniversary for our church, so that's great. And I'll just confess to you, there are times I read stuff and I'm like, I, I don't know what that's talking about. And so I have to dig it out and learn and grow. But listen, I don't think it should surprise us or even alarm us, that the Bible is hard to understand. Because just think about this, the creator of the universe has given us his thoughts, has given us his words, and knowing that his thoughts are not my thoughts, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, his ways are far beyond my ways. It should not be like, you know, strange to us or surprise that the Bible at times can be complex or the Bible can be deep and, and it's supernatural because listen, and I'm actually glad about that. I'm glad I can't understand the Bible fully because if I could understand it fully, that would mean I could get my head fully around the one who spoke it all. And there's no way, listen, it's so big, it's so vast, it's so deep, it's so complex because the God of the universe has authored this book for us, all right? So don't be alarmed. The Bible is meant to inspire us and, and you'll read through it and, and there'll be times that you read through it and one day it'll speak this to you. You'll read through it another time and it'll speak something else to you. And it's just so powerful. And it's meant to be a lifelong journey of reading your word and letting it just be a part of your life. And so, but if you're new to the Bible, I'll share a couple thoughts with you. Um, the Bible isn't just one book. It's, it's, a, it's actually a compilation of, of many books broken into two main parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. On the screen, you can see the Old Testament has 39 books and the New Testament has 27 books. Also, the, the Bible isn't written and in, in given to us in a chronological order. So you can't read it like just one continuous story. It's, it's in different categories. And so you can read it that way. Uh, the Old Testament, though, if you're brand new, begins with the creation. We, we learn about how God spoke the world into existence, and it tells the story of the Jewish people and, and up all the way up until the time of Christ is the Old Testament. As you read the Old Testament, you'll learn about God's just love for his people uh, you'll learn about his commandments and his desire for, for humanity to live holy lives. And so that's, that's the Old Testament. It's amazing to read through it. The stories are, are epic at times. The New Testament is a record of the birth of Christ and his life and his ministry. The, the New Testament talks about the ministry of the disciples carrying on the mission uh, that Jesus had begun as you read through the New Testament, you're gonna hear the birth of the first church and, and God's heart for the church to be evangelistic and, and to make a difference with our lives and be purposeful with our lives and how the Holy Spirit empowers us. And so it's an amazing read and I, I recommend you read the entire Bible. I would get a one-year Bible. It's just so epic to read through it. God will use it to bless your life. And, and listen, I believe the Bible is a gift to us and I believe God has given it to us to strengthen us, to to build our faith, and to help us live godly lives. But again, the Bible is, is complex, and it is hard to understand. But I have good news for you, that the Holy Spirit will help you understand the Bible. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So listen, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And that's what it's saying here. By the spirit who is of God now lives in you. And here's what happens. So that we may understand what God has freely given us and he has given us the gift of his word. And so the Holy Spirit will help you understand. And mainly I find that he helps me understand what I need to understand in the moment in the day ahead. So um, the Holy Spirit, he will help you all the way through it. But I have a thought that you need to understand the Bible. It's, It's this lifelong journey But if you don't believe it's true, then it won't matter whether or not you understand it. Like you've got to have something inside of you that has this firm belief that that this word is truth, that it is true. And because without it, you you won't apply it in your life. And and listen, several years ago when, when I was in college, and, and I wasn't a very good college student. I, I, I went to Appalachian State. We got any app fans in here? So I went to Appalachian State. I, my, my favorite thing to do in college was snow ski. That did not help me in my grades. And so my grades were struggling. And, and so I needed to pull up my GPA a little bit. And so I took badminton. And so, cause I thought I, thought I could pass badminton and pull my grade up. The other thing I did is, and by the way, I made two A's in college. Um, uh, the first was in badminton. The other was in religion. Uh, there was this introduction to religion. And I thought, well, hey, I'm a Christian. This will be, be my jam right here. I can go to the, the religion class and, and I'm going to make an A. I was like, this will be great. And so we were kind of in a smaller class. I had a professor that I looked back on today and, and he had a gentle spirit about him. He wasn't argumentative about anything. And um, he kind of pulled us into questions and conversations. And and I really liked him. But the very first class we had, we were sitting there and we went from person to person and introduced ourselves. And he asked us to answer two questions. One, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? And number two, do you believe that the Bible is 100% true? And I remember thinking, well, this is easy. And I was thinking like everybody's gonna be like me, you know, and so it got to me and I'm like, yes, I'm a believer and I believe every word is true. And he grinned and he said, great. And then for the next several months, he began to try to twist and move me to disbelieve all that I thought was true in his class. It was an eye-opening experience for me. He would take verses that appeared to be controversial or contradictory, and he would highlight those things, and, and he would bring them out. Now, he did it in a nice, kind way. But he was really kind, and, and one thing I really liked about him is he encouraged the feedback. He encouraged the conversation. I so wish colleges still did that today. I still wish that they would make a point and say, now tell me what you think, and we'd have a conversation, and so we had a conversation in his class the whole time, and, and, and he worked his best to gently sway me to feel a different way as well as others, and and so finally, at the end of the semester, made it through and I kind of stood my ground to the best I could. I mean, he was a super intelligent man and you know, he knew how to do what he was doing and, and so we got to the end and, and took the final exam and after the exam, he asked me, he said, can you come see me real quick before you head out? And I said, sure, yes, sir. And I got to him and he goes, you did awful on the exam. And he said, you just, you bombed it. And I'm like, another. And, and he said, but listen, he said, I respect your stand. And he said, I believe you gave your all and you grew and you became better at what you believed. And he said, I'm giving you an A because of that. I was like, awesome. And so I took my A, but I walked out at two A's in college. Amen. Um, one was given to me, one was earned. But <laughs> the point I'm making is that there is a culture that is against the Word of God. And, and, and listen, this was back in my day, and it hasn't gotten any better since. And so here's my thought for you. If you do not trust the source, you will not practice its standards, right? So if, like, if you can't trust what this is saying, when you run into things that challenge you, how are you going to apply that if you're not 100% sure this is truth and this is God's word? The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter eleven, twenty-eight. 28, these are Jesus's word, but he said, even more blessed are those who hear the word of God, who either hear it or read it, hear the word of God and what? Put it into practice. And so the question is, is the Bible true? Is it 100% relevant? Is it absolutely reliable for the 21st century person? And the question is out there. And many people say no to that. They say the Bible is outdated. They say the Bible is out of touch. They say the Bible is just a group of stories that are fictional and and fairy tales type stories. And they think that you are crazy for even believing a little bit of it. And there is this, this, this battle about it. There are even hundreds and maybe even thousands of websites with the purpose of discrediting the Bible. And I find that kind of strange to me. I'm like, why in the world are others who are non-believers even care whether the Bible's true or not? I'm like, why don't you just leave us alone instead of, you know, fighting with us about it all the time and trying to disprove it. I mean, there are websites telling us how wrong it is. And, and I just found this day, And I was like, and I started thinking to myself, why? Why is there a battle? Why are they trying to disprove and discredit the Bible? And I came to some solutions or conclusions. And let me share these with you. And number one, Here's a conclusion why the culture is against the Bible. Because if the Bible is true, then God's moral standards are true. So if you, if you come to the conclusion that the Bible's true, then as you read it and you hit these standards, these moral values, if it's true, they're true, right? Does that make sense? And so that's a, that's a huge issue. Like if you believe it, then you, you, all of it you believe. Now, what that leads to is number two. If God's moral standards are true, then my actions are either right or wrong. Now, there's moral relativism out there today, which means my right is my right, your right is your right, and there is no moral standard. Therefore, there is no right or wrong, and people live any way they wanna live. And so here's the reality. If you believe the Bible's true, God's moral standards are true, and if his standards are true, then there's, there's this right or wrong that's in the culture today, right? And if that's true, watch this. If there are absolute right and wrongs, then I must change how I live. Because now I'm confronted with a a holy God, a true Bible, real standards, right and wrong. And no one wants to be wrong in life. I don't know anybody that's like, I just want to screw up my life completely and live horribly. I mean, nobody's there. So that's why they're like, well, I need to break down. That's why culture comes against the Bible because if there are standards, then they have to confront how they're living their life. And I have found that in the world, it's easier for people to attempt to discredit the Bible than to change how they live. So therefore, there's a huge battle. Discrediting the Bible is actually demonic. It's a a move of the enemy. Let me prove it to you. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and God specifically said to Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was very specific. It was a clear standard for them to follow. The devil follows up right after that in Genesis 3. And it says, so the serpent. So this is representative of the devil. This is a demonic moment. And it says that the spirit, I'm sorry, the serpent was crafty, more crafty than all the animals God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, did God really say? You see, that's that's what my professor would do. He would take something and just try to break open just a little bit and say, did it really say that? Is that really what it means? Is that really up to date? Is that really relevant with today? And just to give you a little crack. And once you break and think any part is not true, then you have to say it's all not true. And so the enemy said to Adam and Eve, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of garden? The woman then said back to the serpent, we may eat from all these trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Then Satan, the, the, the liar, said, oh, you will not certainly die. And so now it's a, it's a blatant opposition to the word of God. And culture is there today. It's not; They're not even subtle anymore. They're not even in the, did God really say? They're just saying, God did not say. The Bible can't be that. And so there's this battle. And and honestly, as Christians, as we believe the Bible and we hear the standards and the values, and we believe there are more right and wrongs, that's why we're in a cultural struggle of the day. I mean, that's why we are where we are today. Everything is on this struggle today, because we believe in moral standards. The world is breaking down, saying no to that. Everything from the laws that govern our country. People say, don't be political, Pastor. It's not. We're talking about biblical values here. Listen, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm telling you to take the Bible and apply the biblical values to who you vote for. Listen, I don't care. Listen, I'm not here Republican or Democrat. Hear me on this. Before you clap, you can come back before you clap. I'm not doing Republican or Democrat here today. I'm saying find out what the Bible says about the current issues and then vote right according to those. Then you'll vote correctly. Now you can clap. But listen, the Bible is under attack. Just look at the programming on TV. Amen? The lyrics and music. There's a battle for the identity of our children because here we go back to this. Did God really make you male and female? Am I, am I preaching what you're hearing? Am I saying it right? Many Christians today, listen, uh, let me put myself in this basket with you, struggle today to, to keep our biblical foundations in an ultra-progressive, non-biblical world. It's, it's not easy. Listen, I, I don't, I'm not saying, I'm not up here preaching like I got all this figured out. Uh, listen, I hate a fight, to be honest with you. I, I, would, I would rather not fight. But, but they're fighting me just because I believe what the Bible says. And so you find yourself in this position. Recently, I was having a conversation with Eli, and, and he told me that, that in his generation and even younger that it's easy to become desensitized to these issues because they've only grown up in a cultural battle to the degree we have. And the the programming has already been in front of them for so long. And the, the music has been the way it is for so long. And, there's, and you just get, you get worn out with it. And listen, I get it. I get worn out with it. Who wants to live in a And just a a battle all the time. Like, listen, that's why I turn off the TV way more than I used to and turn off the news more than I used to because it it can work you up. But, But I don't want to be desensitized to the realities of a spiritual battle that's going on. And there is a battle for my soul. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your children. There's a battle for our country. There's just a battle. It's always, there's just a battle. And that's the way it works. We're in a spiritual battle. It's spiritual. And we need to know how to, to stand on our word and trust God in it. So let me introduce you to a, a young pastor. And his name is Timothy. Timothy was as a pastor we find in in the bible and the new testament and he was he was under fire for preaching the good news about jesus so he was in a culture that was against what he was preaching on and and the culture at that point was exerting significant peer pressure and and persecution to disprove that jesus was truly resurrected and to disprove the scriptures and They were wanting to stop his ministry. And and honestly, as I read into the story about Timothy, I feel like he was probably tired and in some levels kind of wanted to give up. And so his mentor and pastor gave him this response in this moment that all of us find ourselves in today. And he said this to this young pastor named Timothy. He said, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. He said, you know... They are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. Who taught him? Well, it was his mother and his grandmother. Verse 15 says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. Verse 16, the apostle said to Timothy, he said, all scripture is inspired by God. And it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. There it is. There's the standards. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us how to do what is right. Verse 17 says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so I wanna take this section of scripture and pull three foundational beliefs about the Bible that will help you when you feel weary from the cultural battles. Number one, you need to know the scriptures are true. And Paul said this to Timothy. He said, you know the scriptures are true. He said, you know it. Now, he said his evidence was that you could trust your, your mama and your grandmother, which is always good advice, by the way. Just, you can always, all, the, all you students in here, you, you trust your mama, all right? You can, you can trust your mama and your grandma. But he also said that, based on his own personal experience of salvation. He's like, you've experienced the word of God. You've experienced this. And so you know it's true because you've experienced. And so so that was what Paul was saying there in that part. And today I want you to know that I cannot 100% prove to you that the Bible is true. And and I'm not even supposed to, no one can. There, There is an element of faith that comes into belief. And so, We are to take this this, this step of faith and believe it's true and then God begins to validate it as we step into it. But what I wanna do is take a few minutes and and give you some convincing evidence that the Bible's true because there are some things that we can point to that will help you go, well, that's true, that is true so that you can have more confidence as you read the Bible. So the first thing is I'll let you know that Jesus validated the scriptures, Jesus did. How do we know that? Well, Jesus quoted the scriptures at least 50 different times in his ministry. So he used the scriptures and he he allowed the scriptures to be true for him and he would then use that and give it back out. And so he believed the word of God was authentic and true. And so here's a thought for you. If you believe in Jesus then you must believe that the Bible is true and has moral standards to live by, right? So you can't be one without the other. You either believe the Bible or don't. You either believe Jesus or don't, but they got to be the same. When Jesus at one point was tempted by the enemy, he had been fasting and he was in the wilderness and the enemy came and the enemy began to tempt him. Jesus replied to this spiritual attack and he used the word. He said, it is written. He's like, it is written. And so like he used the Bible to authenticate and to, and to push back the works of the enemy in his life. And he said, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word, here we are with the word, that comes out from the mouth of God. So Jesus validated the scriptures that's the first thought and the second thing is is archaeology science and history give evidence to the bible's authenticity and accuracy so i was digging a little bit on archaeology and and I really don't know a ton about it other than they, they go dig up stuff and they find things and they go, hey, that's when this was probably dated and, and they do it. But there was this article I found from Time Magazine back in 1963. Now, I don't think Time Magazine would do this article today, but they did this article on an archeologist named Glueck, And so you can go look it up and it's still on, online. But he wrote the following about the authenticity of scripture compared to archeology. span And he said this, it may be stated categorically that no archeological discovery has ever contradicted a Bible reference and scores of archeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible. So listen, history is proving the Bible. Archaeology is proving the Bible over and over. And those are by people that don't believe. They just are taking the Bible and they're seeing it as they dig it up and it becomes true. Also in 1947, there were manuscripts called the Dead Sea Scrolls today. And they, they had been preserved by nature in a cave, in a, in a clay pot for over 2000 years these are the, the oldest documents found and they're 2000 years old and these scrolls are are have portions of every old testament bible written in it except for one bible, one uh, book in the bible all the other in there and as they compared the the text on these ancient scriptures, ancient writings to the Bible, they found that every one of them accurately matched what we read today. Fascinating. Listen, history is proving it true. Also, over 300 Old Testament prophecies have come to pass. Why is that important? Well, no one really disputes that the Old Testament was written over thousands of years ago and hundreds of years back and and so, when you look at the Old Testament and there's a prophecy that's given about something to come, and so you go, well, that was this many years ago, and now it's happened, it, it confirms and validates the Bible itself. And so, as an example, 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah prophesied this. He said, and, and I like the way it's, I, don't, I really don't know the context at this point, but he said, all right, then. And so he's like, pay attention, everybody. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And listen, there's no way Jesus could have orchestrated that event. It was prophesied. God brought it to pass, given evidence that the Bible is true, right? One last thing, and I'll throw this at you, is personal experience. And Paul said this, to Timothy, he said, you experienced it. And I will say to you, I've experienced it. The Bible has never failed Tim Blevins. The Bible has built my faith. The Bible has corrected me. The Bible has defined my character. The Bible has given me hope. The Bible has shown me God's love. The Bible has shown me the grace of Jesus Christ. And and I am convinced that the Bible is true based on all the evidence and what I've experienced, amen? And so listen, as you read your Bible, you need to say, I believe it's true and let it begin to work. And don't allow the enemy to say to you, did God really say? But Paul wasn't finished there. And he said to Timothy, who was struggling, and he said to him that that the scriptures are inspired by God. Remember how he said it? He said all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture. And what this means is that every book, every chapter, every verse, every word is from God. Every bit of it is from God. Now, I looked up the, the word inspired here because it says all scripture is inspired by God. And the word you find for inspired here is, is theonoustos. Theonustos. Now, um, two parts of theonoustos you can see on the screen. Theos is God. That's Greek for God. Neustos is breath or air. So um, some of you may understand, um, you know, listen, I don't know why they put a P in front of neustos, but it's, it's silent P just to confuse us. But neustos means breath or air. So some of you may have done some construction work and you have a, a pneumatic drill. What is a pneumatic drill? It's not powered by electricity, it's powered by air. So pneumo That's the the word for air, breath and air. So when you hear that the entire scripture is inspired or it is theonoustos by God, what we're saying is, is God's breath is in every word. Not only is the word true, but it is alive with God's breath. And you think about how God breathed the world into existence. There's the power of God in his words and in his breath. He breathed life into Adam and he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living being. And so we look at the Bible and we know that it's not just a a history book, but it is the the life and the breath of God breathing life back into our our bones here. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. So when you read this Bible, Friends, listen, this isn't just a good literature book. This isn't just a good history book. This is the breath of God. This is the life of God given for us. And as we read it, he is breathing life. And listen, I need the life of God in every area of my life. And as I read this, he's breathing life into how I can be a better parent. He's breathing life into how I can be better as a minister. He's breathing life, I can be a better husband. He's breathing life into every area of my life. I don't read this because I have to. I read it because I need his breath on my life. Amen. And the third thing I'll share with you, and I'm landing this plane, by the way, on uh, the worship team, you can make your way up here. The scriptures show me how to live for God. And so Paul said that to Timothy in 2 Timothy three sixteen. Again, he said, all scriptures inspired by God. And Useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. And it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. When you believe the Bible is true, when when you are convinced and you place your faith and then you begin to hear it and you begin to read it, You need to know that God's life-giving breath will be in you, and he will strengthen you in your life. He will feed your inner man. Your desire to live for God will actually grow. I mean, that's that's the process. He, He makes us hungrier for more of the Bible. You read a little bit, and as it begins to be life to you, you'll want more of it you will stop reading the Bible out of discipline. Listen, discipline's a good place to start. But at some point, I want this to be joy to me. I want to read this because, wow, God is doing something in me. His words, like I can talk to God, I can hear his voice when I read this. You'll slowly be transformed into the person God wants you to be. And these verses will just begin to emerge in your daily life and thinking. And, and listen, I just, I just wanna say, the Bible is so much more than an instructional manual. And I've heard it described that way. And it's not awful to say it's an instructional manual, but I, I, I don't want, listen, I put together stuff all the time and I get the instructional manual out. It, it's the worst moment of my life trying to read it. What I want is the Word. I want his life. I want to dig in because I find Jesus there. Listen, the Holy Bible, it is holy. It is God-breathed word of God. And it was written for us. And you won't understand it all, and that's okay. But God will use every chapter, verse, and word of it to breathe his life and power into you. And over time, you'll understand what you need to know. And so Paul... He encouraged Timothy to to not give up on it, to stay strong. And I want to encourage you to, to believe the Bible. Believe it. Read the Bible. Do the Bible. Believe the Bible. Read the Bible. Do the Bible. Then you'll truly live how God wants you to live. Amen? Church, we're going to close a little different today. And we're going to close this way, actually, for the next season. Normally at the end of a, a message, I, I give a salvation invite and then, you know, people respond to that and then we all clap and go home. We give, me, give it an amen. And I was just thinking that instead of saying amen, I want to say, Holy Spirit, come. And what I mean by that is is, is when the service ends, often we, we just kind of pack up and get out of here. And I believe that all through this service, through the worship that our amazing worship team led us in today and through the prayers that Bailey led us in today and now the word that we need a moment where we say, God, what are you saying to me? What is my response? And Holy Spirit, I wanna respond to that. Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit will respond when you respond. You say, God, I, I, I wanna respond to that and he'll say, yes, I want to be there for you. And so for the next long season, we're going to not have our communion and all that in the mid-service. We're gonna bring it to the end so that you can respond to God. And how can you respond to God? Well, there'll be a a moment for people to to be saved. And I'll I'll share the message of salvation. And if you want to give your life to Christ, then you'll go over to prayer leaders we have on the sides and you can say, hey, I wanna give my life to Christ and they're gonna pray with you. You may need prayer in your life. You may hurt heard something today and you're like, I need prayer. I need strength. And we'll have prayer leaders on the side. You go to them and say, would you pray for me? Would you pray for my son? Would you pray for my daughter? Would you pray for this test I'm having? Would you pray for my business? And, and just go get prayer. We're a body. Another way you may respond is you may want to respond with intercession. You, may, you want to pray for someone or something. And you, know, you may just want to come to this altar here and, and kneel here at the front and, just, and respond that way. You may want to recommit or rededicate your life, or just simply remember Christ, and we have communion tables there and be in the back, and, and when we go into this moment, you'll leave your seat and go get communion, take communion. You may just want to stand at your seat and worship and say, "God, I appreciate you so much." Thank you for the word today, and I'm applying it in my life, and, and just do it that way. There'll be a temptation for some of you to leave the service when we get to this part because you're gonna kind of go, well, it's over now. And I want you to know, probably the most important part of this isn't over. This is for you to respond. This is where you encounter the Holy Spirit that's in the house. And so when we get to this part, instead of checking out, push in just a little bit more, participate. And then when we are finished, someone will come up here and they'll give you a chance to clap and say, amen. And then you can go home. And so today we're going to put this into practice. And so would you stand to your feet with me? We have a few minutes left in today's service. And and if you want to respond today with salvation, and by the way, our prayer team, you can go to the sides now if you'd like. And if you've never met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, go to someone and say, I want to be a believer and let them pray with you. If you need prayer, go to these people on the side and say, would you pray for me? Tell them what it is. If you wanna to come to the front and just, and pray, intercede, do that. If you wanna go get communion, do that. Or just stand in worship with our amazing team that leads us in worship. And so Father, thank you for this moment. Lord, we wanna be a church that responds to you. And we wanna encounter you. Holy Spirit come, in Jesus name.